Yo, what is up guys? It has been a while and I am glad to be back and I've got some really good sports news to talk about. And the first one I'm going to talk about is not only crazy, but also amazing. So I'm sure sports fans, you have heard about the blockbuster NBA trade that saw the Rockets' James Harden leave Houston and land in Brooklyn with former teammate Kevin Durant, who is a former MVP, two-time NBA champ, and two-times finals MVP along with Kyrie Irving, who is also in Brooklyn. That is an amazing big three. All right, but we know that. That's been covered. Blah, 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 blah. Will they be good? Will they not be good? Blah, blah, blah. All the drama between Harden wanting to leave Houston and Kyrie not showing up to practice or games for undisclosed family reasons. There's something that is far more important, though, about this trade that honestly has nothing to do with basketball. Karis LeVert, who was a part of the four-team trade, was one of the players that departed Brooklyn so that they could acquire the talent of James Harden. Karis LeVert was one of the young talents that Brooklyn was willing to get rid of so that they could acquire James Harden in this four-team trade. The team that was able to land Karis is the Indiana Pacers. And like any player going to a new team, whether it be free agency, a rookie, or a trade that happened, you have to go through a routine physical to make sure that there is nothing wrong with you before a team puts you out on the floor. Well, this physical might have saved Karis LeVert's life, and he said that himself. Because during their physical, they found a mass on his kidney. That mass turned out to be renal cell carcinoma on his left kidney. He had surgery on Monday to remove the mass, and Dr. Sprunger, the man who performed the surgery, got all of it and said that he is confident in a full recovery and there will be no further treatment required. So Karis LeVert, a part of a routine trade, well, one routine, it was pretty wild, but that's not the point. A part of a trade just has to go through a simple physical that turns out that it caught cancer and early enough to the point where there's no further treatment needed and the doctors are confident that he will be perfectly fine. And luckily, the Indiana Pacers have decided to and have done the right thing in choosing to stick with the player because he will be out indefinitely. There's no timetable for his return, rightfully so. You can't really put a timetable on cancer. They will stick by him as he continues to recover and put life first, most importantly. It's quite an amazing story that this blockbuster trade turned out to be one that could have saved a life. Karis LeVert is now cancer-free. He's a survivor of cancer and... They probably caught it far earlier than they would have, depending on whenever he would have started to show symptoms of his cancerous lump on his kidney. So this is pretty amazing. Again, I think it's the more impressive thing, even overshadowing, in my opinion, this blockbuster trade with Harden going to the Nets. It's pretty amazing, and I'm happy that Karis LeVert now is going to be able to recover from this and put it behind him. Now, on a lighter and more hysterical note, I want to talk about soccer. And I know, before you start going, oh my gosh, it's soccer, I don't care. You do not need any soccer knowledge of any kind to appreciate this story. Well, you do have to know who Lionel Messi is, which, even if you don't watch soccer, I assume you do know who that is. One of the most famous soccer players in the world right now, besides Cristiano Ronaldo. And Pele, now 80 years old, who was really the first soccer player to really be known to American audiences back in the 60s and 70s. He also holds the record for the most World Cup wins by a single player, which he has three of them. Now that the history is out of the way, I'm going to move on to the more 
enjoyable part of the story. Pele, who also held the record for most goals scored by a player for a single club with 643, was broken last month when Lionel Messi scored his 644th goal for Barcelona. Great, good for Messi, he's a goal-scoring king, and he's one of the best to ever play. Alright, we already knew that. But what's the funny part? Budweiser decided to pay homage to Lionel Messi in a very humorous way. They started off by releasing a video shortly after Lionel Messi scored that goal on Twitter with the caption that read, In this game, no goal is easy, which is why we've created a custom bottle for all 644 goals Leo Messi scored. Yes, that's 644 unique bottles sent to all 160 goalkeepers Messi scored against to toast their part in making history. I mean, wow, okay, that's one way to stamp your your moment in history and (laughs) define your greatness to have a beer company make 644 unique bottles just so that they could say, hey, thanks for being a part of Lionel Messi's record even though you're not really on the good end of it. And to me, the funniest part of it is each keeper got the exact amount of beers that Lionel Messi scored goals on them with the exact number of what that goal was labeled on the bottle. The top three to receive beers were Diego Alves, who received 21, and poor guy, keep, people kept making jokes, telling him he should open up his own beer company. The second keeper, Gorka, conceded 18, and he got 18 bottles, and probably one of the most legendary names on this list, Iker Casillas, came in third place with 17. I mean... Wow, that's that's quite impressive. Congrats to Messi on the record, and congrats to Budweiser for probably doing one of the funniest things I've ever seen a company do in partnership with an athlete, really anyone, uh, to commemorate uh, their success and, well, just dominance over everyone else. And speaking of dominance, I'm going to move on to what most of you would probably call real football, and that's American football. I'm going to talk about what was possibly and most likely Drew Brees' last game in the NFL, period. Unfortunately, he did lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who also unfortunately beat the Green Bay Packers, but I don't want to talk about that right now. I'm still crying here and there about that loss. I'll be okay. We'll get to that later. But Drew Brees, who has had an historic career winning the first and so far, unfortunately, only Super Bowl for the state of Louisiana and New Orleans. He was one of my favorite players, and it's really sad to see him go, considering the impact he had on the game and just how much of a joy he was to watch. You know, I I grew up watching guys like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, who is also gone, Brett Favre when he was really friggin' old, obviously Tom Brady, who is not appearing to slow down at all, unfortunately, for the Packers and myself. And now a lot of those guys, well, they're getting up there in age, which means... Sooner rather than later, they will start to be retiring. Now we've lost Peyton already. Most likely now, we are also going to be losing Drew Brees, which is really disappointing. Luckily, we do have a great amount of young quarterbacks who can take their reins, like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, But again, it's very sad from a nostalgia standpoint because he was one of my favorite players growing up. And I remember watching him play in that Super Bowl against Peyton Manning, thinking that the Colts would be able to topple the team that really hadn't had any success up until that point and how incredible of a game it was not only just the way that Drew Brees played but one of the ballsiest plays that I've ever seen 
calling an onside kick to start the second half, completely catching the Colts off guard and completely setting the tempo and the momentum for that second half and turning around in New Orleans' favor. It was an amazing Super Bowl, and the the scenes of him holding his, at the time, extremely young son in his arms, celebrating that win, it was a... it's one of my fondest sports memories. So to see a guy like that leaving us, is it's, it's pretty sad. But I'm here to celebrate that career right now with you all. And to kind of not quite like Budweiser, but still nonetheless pay homage to the career that he had and the impact on the game. And also, most importantly, the city of New Orleans. Drew Brees has had an incredible career that has spanned 20 years in the NFL, which is... A crazy number. His longevity has been phenomenal despite the past two seasons not being able to play a full 16 games due to injury. Nonetheless, he's just had an incredible career that has seen him put up some numbers that, well, are second to none. In the 287 games that he has played, he has won 172 of them, completed 67% of his passes, thrown for over 80,000 yards. 571 touchdowns and just 243 interceptions those are some ridiculous numbers again like I said that not many people if any have been able to reach he's competed in a crazy 13 Pro Bowls he is first all-time in passes completed with 7142 he ranks first all-time with a whopping 80,358 passing yards He's second all-time with 571 career touchdown passes. And I think for me, the most impressive stats where he ranks all-time are game-winning drives and comebacks, which he is second all-time in game-winning drives with a whopping 53. And with comebacks, he has 36, which is third all-time. And he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks to ever play this game. With all those pass attempts that he has had in his career, he's completed just over two-thirds of those passes, which is second all-time. I mean, the man has had an incredible career, and somehow with all of these numbers, he has not ever won an MVP during the regular season. It's crazy to me, and even crazier, that he's only been first-team All-Pro once in his entire career. That's baffling that a player that has this body of work, including a Super Bowl, a historic Super Bowl, which I'll get into later, has only been recognized for that success once with just a first-team All-Pro selection and never won MVP. Now, he did win a Super Bowl MVP, which I imagine, if you asked him, makes up for the lack of MVPs during the regular season. But, again, this body of work is just incredible. He has put up numbers that, again, a lot of quarterbacks have not been able to do. Does it help he's played 20 years? Yes, but... Most importantly, it helps that he's an incredible talent, a guy who went 32nd in the second round to be a first ballot Hall of Famer with ease. I mean, hats off to the guy. Now, obviously, some of these records have a chance to be broken by Tom Brady, who doesn't look like he's going to be retiring anytime soon, and he is right on Breeze's hills in a lot of these categories. And Drew Brees may not have six Super Bowls, possibly seven like Tom Brady does, but Nonetheless, his Super Bowl was historic, giving a Super Bowl to New Orleans for the first time in their entire franchise's history. And being a guy that the city of New Orleans, especially after Hurricane Katrina, were really able to rally behind and just kind of see him as a bright spot in that community. And he did a lot for that community. 
Breeze came to New Orleans in 2006, just a year after Katrina, when New Orleans was in a very vulnerable spot. And in 06, he actually won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award for his work in the community to help rebuild New Orleans and try and bring them up from the tragedy that they had experienced just a year prior to him joining New Orleans. Current NFL player and native of New Orleans, Tyron Matthew, who currently plays for the Chiefs, said after the Saints' loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, being from New Orleans, Drew Brees meant everything to us in that city, and many times our only hope. You know, to smile and feel good, to live in a winning reality. That man gave us all life. None of us are perfect, but he was close. Salute. So, his impact off the field was even more important than the crazy numbers that he put on it. For the city of New Orleans, Breeze was a hero in a way. Yes, he was just a quarterback who was winning games, but he brought life to the city and the people really rallied around him and what he was bringing to the state of Louisiana. It's sad to see him go and I know New Orleans will miss him because of the man that he was for that city. And when he led the Saints to a Super Bowl win in 2010 against the Colts in an incredible game that I remember very vividly, down 10-6 to at halftime, Sean Payton, again I said it earlier, pulls one of the craziest plays that I've ever seen in my time as a fan of the game, kicking an onside kick to start off the half, really set the tone for the game, and in the third and fourth quarter, the Saints outscored Indianapolis 25-7. to finishing the game with a 31-17 win where it saw Drew Brees win the Super Bowl MVP, and rightly so for that. He had an incredible game with 32 completions on 39 attempts, with 288 yards and two touchdowns, was only sacked once, and threw no interceptions. He, he led that team to a win with some great defense, to be honest. That interception there at the end of the game by Tracy Porter to take it 74 yards to the house was pretty important. It put the game away at that point but nonetheless Drew Brees was a pivotal part of that team and he was a pivotal part of that city and he has been for 15 years now it's still unclear whether he is going to retire he has yet to contact the Saints and tell him what his tell them what his future is but unfortunately it does look like most likely he will be leaving but on an incredible note yes he got knocked out of the playoffs this year and he played in that game injured but He's an amazing man. He's an amazing player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and it'll be sad to see him go if he does most likely decide to call it a quits this season. Now moving on to our last topic, we're going to stick in the category of football and talk about the upcoming Super Bowl that is looking like it's going to be quite incredible. A lot of people are comparing it to if LeBron was playing Michael Jordan in an NBA Finals, which would have been pretty incredible to see. We've got the old goat per se versus what a lot of people that think Patrick Mahomes will be the new age GOAT, which I can't say I disagree. He's everything Aaron Rodgers is, but he's slightly more athletic in my opinion, and I think he is more talented. No offense to Aaron Rodgers. I love him, even though I'm disappointed our team completely let him down and we lost to the Buccaneers, but we're not going to talk about that because that's not the point. Plus, it's too painful. We all know that the Kansas City Chiefs are an incredible team, led by Andy Reid, who is just genius when it comes to picking apart a team and putting up a lot of points. Patrick Mahomes and that incredible offense with Tyreek Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. I mean, do I have to keep going on? They're, they're an incredible team. Defensively, you know, that's not their bread and butter, even though they have some talented defenders like Tyron Matthew, who can just make a big play whenever you need him to. But the star 
of really most NFL teams is always going to be that offense and who you have calling the plays and throwing the ball. And that is obviously Patrick Mahomes. That Patrick Mahomes led offense ranked first, as you could expect, in total yards this season. Yards per game, they ranked first with 415 yards a game. Passing yards, well, they also ranked first with 4,854 yards. They ranked first in yards per game in passing. Rushing, that's not their bread and butter, but they did have a very good rushing offense this season, led by rookie Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Le'Veon Bell, who they were able to pick up through the middle of the season. Not to mention you had two 1,000-yard receivers, one being six foot seven Travis Kelsey, who had 1,400, and then Tyreek Hill, who is one of the fastest guys in the NFL, with 1,200. I mean, it's an incredibly stacked offense. You go up against that team, and your defense is probably going to be trembling in their boots. Luckily enough for Tampa, though, they have one of the best defenses in the league, hands down. And they definitely showed that when they played the Packers in the NFC Championship game, where they basically carried that team into the Super Bowl, despite Aaron Rodgers popping off and his team letting him down. Again, I'm not going to get into that, because, yeah, I just don't want to talk about it. Anyways, moving on. The Bucks were able to rank 12th in pass defense in terms of yards per game, and they only gave up... 3,945 yards through the air this season, as well as picking off opposing quarterbacks 15 times, which is tied for third most during the 16 games of the regular season. So defensively, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers match up really well against this high-flying Kansas City Chiefs offense. But the Bucks look even better once we move into the postseason. So far, they've played three games, obviously, getting ready for their fourth in a week and a half's time. They've already picked off quarterbacks five times in just three games. They're having an incredible season this year defensively. They're moving that on into the playoffs, and they match up very well against this Kansas City Chiefs. I look forward to being able to actually watch the game and see these two quarterbacks duke it out. Honestly, I think the game will come down more to Will the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense be able to play at the same intensity they have for the past 19 games of the season? Will they be able to bring that intensity? Will they be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes and his fellow offense enough so that Tom Brady can go to work and put the game away? I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be a fun game, and I definitely look forward to it as long as it is more enjoyable than last year's Super Bowl, which was which was pretty boring. Um, it wasn't nearly as boring as the Patriots versus the Rams a couple years ago, and especially not as boring as the Panthers-Broncos Super Bowl. Those both were just snooze fests. But nonetheless, I think this will be a fun Super Bowl. It might be one of Tom Brady's last chances. I mean, say what you want about the guy. <laughs> He's making it to his 10th Super Bowl with a chance to make it seven Super Bowl rings, and this is the first time playing on this new team so I mean the guy's incredible he didn't have a very good game against the Packers but nonetheless he's had an amazing season outside of that one game and if he's able to do this it's just it's seven Super Bowls you can't really argue against that I saw probably the craziest statistic I've probably ever seen in sports period Steph Curry's career three-point percentage is 43 percent it's incredible right Tom Brady, in his 21 NFL seasons, has made it to the Super Bowl now 10 times, 
which means that he has a higher chance of going to Super Bowl, 48%, than Steph Curry does making a three-point shot. What? That That's just mind-boggling. I mean, the, the fact that this one guy has a chance to make it to a championship game more than the greatest three-point shooter of all time. That's, that's a pretty wild statistic, and I mean, you can't really argue against that regardless of whether you like the man or not. It's incredible, and I think it'll be a great game. And I, I'm personally pulling for the Chiefs, but, you know, Tom Brady has a habit of hurting my feelings and disappointing me. Uh, so, you know, we'll see, I guess. Hopefully it's not a repeat of the Packers game, because, again, pain. That's all pain. Anyways, guys, it's been a fun episode. I'm glad to be back, and I hope you guys are continuing to stay safe, treating people with kindness, and having fun as well. Try to have fun, try to be safe, and find things that you can do to make sure you're in good spirits, and also make sure that you're kind to others so that you can maybe change their day. Something small, a simple wave, a hello, maybe that's all that they needed to brighten them up, because right now it's a hard time for us all. So peace out, guys, and have a good time.